The following audio is from First Baptist Church of Conyers. More information about First Baptist Conyers is available at firstconyers.com. Well, believe it or not, this Sunday marks one year when our world changed. Um, and I think about in the last 12 months, which we've been in this COVID pandemic, there is a lot that has changed, but there's one thing that has not changed. And that is that Jesus has given the body of Christ, as he was ascending, he gave, not just one time, but it's recorded in four of the Gospels, all four, and it's repeated again in Acts, that Jesus has commissioned, he has given the church a mission. And COVID pandemic or not, that has not changed. I feel confident, as many do, that it seems as though the, while the, the virus is still there, there's hope because we see that the virus is drastically receding and many of you have been able to get your vaccinations and I'm not standing here being a proponent or a, a discouragement to the vaccination. I'm just saying that, that we're coming out of that and I believe that as the church, the body of Christ, we are in unprecedented times right now that as people have struggled through Many have lost loved ones as a result of the pandemic. Life has not been normal for many that have lost loved ones. You weren't able to memorialize in the typical way that you might have. Everything has seemed to change. And some say, well, let us go back to normal. I don't know what that normality will ever be again. This is going to be the fourth year now that I have shared with you the mission that that I believe that God has given to us as a local church, not only to us, but it's the mission that he's given to every church around the world, whether it be a church in Conyers, Georgia, a church in New York City, or a church in Lusaka, Zambia. God has given a mission to every church, and that is that we would win one to Jesus, that we would disciple them in Jesus, and that we would send them for Jesus. People ask the question, what is the direction of our church? I want to tell you this morning, it's the same direction that we've had for the last four years is that we are in the direction to move on the mission that Jesus gave us and nothing else. Amen? I often ask the question, why would anybody in their right mind try to recreate something that God Almighty gave to us to do, and that is to be on His mission, empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, walking in relationship and fellowship with Him so that we might win one to Jesus, make a disciple out of that one, a Christ follower, and send them to make another disciple of Jesus. That's the mission. It's Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. He didn't say, go and make churchgoers of all nations. 
He said, go and make disciples. And I would say this. I put this in my first lie, in my life first. If that is not my main priority every day as a part of the body of Christ, then I am missing it. I'm being disobedient to the mission that he has given to us. So this morning, I want to reiterate, it's what we have plastered around the building. It's what we have plastered on all of our literature, that this is the mission that Jesus has commissioned us to do. First of all, and I think um, you've got it there, Ronnie, to put on the overhead, we state, we begin by making the statement in our mission that we are called to display the grace of God to all people with a responsibility to win one to Jesus, disciple them in Jesus, and to send them for Jesus. And let me back up because words are important. What did you say amen to that? Every word that's recorded in Scripture is, is important. And this mission comes from Scripture that God has called us as the body of Christ to display God's grace to all people. Let me ask you a question. How many of you came to know Jesus Christ on the basis of your merit or your good works or your effort? Not a single one of us in this room, if you know Jesus. But God has called us, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, where Paul says that that I, the, the body, that, 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 that I live my life in Christ. I'm paraphrasing what he says here. I, it's not my life, but it's Christ living in me. And so God has called us to display his grace to all people. How many of you would say amen that when you were saved, God displayed his unmerited, unfavorable, indiscriminate grace to save you because you know what a rotten, wretched sinner you were. How many of you would say and agree that as you live out your Christian life that you recognize that apart from God's grace, you would fall in the New York second? I hope nobody from New York is offended by that. We are saved by grace. We are kept by His grace. And by his grace, we will see the hope that we have through the resurrection of Christ when we will enter into his glory forever and ever and ever. It's all by God's grace. And so as we are called, we are called to display, to exhibit, to extend God's grace, the same grace that God extended to us when we were saved, the same God that, ex- that, that extended his grace to me when I was a bozo this morning. Any other bozos in the room? That same grace God has called us to exhibit to others. Now, we as believers sometimes can forget that God continually extends His grace to us. We have the idea sometimes that, yes, God extends His grace to me, but He doesn't extend His grace to Vanessa. Can I tell you this? God is indiscriminate with His grace. And he has called us to display his grace to all people. What do I mean by all people? Anybody tell me the definition of all? All. That God has called us, regardless of what socioeconomic class someone may be in, regardless of what their ethnicity might be, 
regardless of what their nationality might be, regardless of what culture they came from, because Christ died for all. Who are we to discriminate who we might display the grace of God to? Because thank God, he was not holding back when he displayed his grace to you and me, when he saved us. We understand and know that every single one of us have been saved by grace. Let me remind you what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. If you're here this morning or you're watching online and you may have been engaged in a church for 50 years, but if you have the idea that somehow or another you did enough good that, that God said, yes, I want them because they're good, then I would tell you, based on the Scriptures, you have not come into relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, it's until we recognize and realize that God is an absolute holy God and we can never fathom the holiness of God and we recognize that apart from God doing it, there's no way that we might be saved. It's only by us responding to his grace that he has extended that grace to us so that we might be saved. I might put it this way in our mission statement that by the grace that God has given to me, he has called me, he's empowered me by the Holy Spirit that I might extend that same grace to every single person that comes across my path. Now, I understand there's some people in life that are hard to extend grace to. Can I get an amen to that? There's some of you in this room that it's hard to extend grace to. but by the power and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, through Him transforming us as we become more like Him, if that's our desire, He does that in our lives and we're able to extend that grace. He says to all people, regardless, I say, of their ethnicity, their race, their socioeconomic party affiliation, I'm meddling now. And I'm meddling intentionally. Folks, not only have we faced this COVID crisis, but unfortunately, I have witnessed not only in this church, but in church across our nation, that we have allowed the enemy to come in and divide us on political positions, and that should not be the, the case. Now, we can have our political expression I have some hard, fast policies that I believe in, but that does not mean that I have been given the liberty to cut off extending grace and love to those who might be on the other side of the aisle than I am. If I don't get enough amens to that, then I'm going to go further. Listen, we are the body of Christ. We are part of the kingdom of God. And regardless of what might be happening, regardless of what's not happening, he has given us a mission. And church, can I tell you, do not allow the enemy to cloud your mind and think that that is a greater mission than the mission that he has given to us. I'm telling you this, there is a hell 
And there's a place that every human being will spend eternity. They'll either spend it in eternity in the presence of God or separated from him in a literal place called hell. And when I make the argument something other than that, I have missed what Christ has called me to as a part of the kingdom of God. Our first concern, our first priority has to be as the body of Christ that we bring people to a knowledge of Jesus Christ so that they might be saved and have the hope of eternity. I'm reminded what Jesus says in John chapter 15, 9. He says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Christ has loved all But in his love, he cannot, he will not withhold judgment to those who refuse to accept the gift of salvation. John chapter 13, verse 34. He says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. John 15, 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And so when we think of this extending God's grace, it has to be within keeping what Christ has said, just as he has loved us when we were unlovable, we're to love others in that same way with the hope that they might come to know Christ. You see, God has given us a mission The implementation or the way that we carry out that mission may change over time, and it should change over time because culture changes, and we have to reflect and devise ways that we might meet the culture that we're in so that we might be able to give the message of the gospel. But underline this, the message of the gospel never has and never will change. It remains the same. The way that we do that, the way that a local church, the way that an individual does that may change and may vary, but God has called us to share the gospel, and he's called us to live that gospel out. I've told the staff lately, and I've said to some of you, I have never, I I think I've been pastoring now some 29 years. Most of that time as a senior pastor. But I have, in all of those 29 years, I have never had a year that has been as most challenging in how to fulfill, how to carry on in the church that mission that he's called us to. It's been extremely challenging. And I'm not asking for sympathy in that, but I'm just saying it's been very challenging. How do we carry out the mission in the midst of the environment that we're in? We're making some drastic changes. Many of you may not even notice, but one of the things I've recognized is that because of COVID, what was already happening in the local church was just put on steroids and has changed dramatically. You see, before COVID, one was considered a regular attending member of a local church if they attended one and a half times a month to the gathering on Sunday mornings. Regular attender. We were seeing it. 
But now since COVID, that has dramatically changed. Estimates are from people like George Barna and all those guys that do the research that are a lot smarter than, than I am or anybody else. Estimates are that when COVID is finally over, most local churches will have a, an attendance of about 40 to 60% of what they had pre-COVID. Now, there are a lot of reasons for that. One of the main reasons that we find in research that's been done is those that were just kind of on the fringes anyway. They have found out Sundays are a great time to go to the lake. Or they just disconnected. One of the reasons that has been attributed to that is that we have our small groups, and that we know is really the core in any local church. You can come here on Sunday morning. You can be encouraged. We can worship God together. Most of you won't remember a thing I say on Sunday morning. That's the truth. As good as it is. But there's a biblical principle and a biblical precedence that's set throughout the letters in particular. And you go back in the Old Testament, and it was still a part of that, and that is community. One of the things people have recognized is that community is vitally important when you don't have community. But what takes place in those small groups are what keeps the body glued together. And some of you are tired of Zoom. Can I get a large amen to that? <laughs> Thank God we've had the technology to be able to keep in contact through that. But it's just not the same, is it? It's not the same as coming together and having community as the body of Christ. Whether your only form of community is Sunday morning, which I hope that's not it. I hope you're connected either into a discipleship group or a small group where you have that smaller group where you can have community and life takes place within the Christian life. But many now are by the wayside in that and they'll never return. You know what that tells me? Tells me we got to go fishing. Not so that we can have large numbers. I've shared this with you before. I, I, I am not turned on anymore by large numbers. I'm at 29 years. I've spoken to large crowds. And I've shepherded small crowds. And none of that floats my boat anymore. Can I tell you what floats my boat? What floats my boat is being able to see, witness somebody come to Jesus Christ and have their life transform. <laughs> that overnight their thinking begins to change. Overnight you witness the Spirit of God moving in their heart. And, and, and it's not that we have to tell them, you can't do these things now. The Holy Spirit begins to say, you know what, this is something you might not ought to participate anymore. It's not that we have to, I have to tell them, now you've got to do this. The Holy Spirit begins to lead them to commune with Him through the Word of God so that they might grow in the Word of God. And to see them come to Christ and grow in Him and be a disciple and then get to the point where they're ready and they're willing and they're eager to make a disciple of another one. That's what floats my boat after 29 years in ministry. Thank you, Harold. <laughs> If that doesn't float your boat, then I'm afraid you're missing out 
on the joy that God has called us to in being a Christ follower, a disciple of Him. You see, that's where real growth, I think, takes place. So He's called us, number one, to win a person to Jesus Christ. This is one of the instances where Jesus gives a great commission. Mark chapter 16, verse 15, He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Go into all the world. That word world has the idea of, yes, literally into all the world, but it has carries the idea, as Jesus said in Matthew 28, that we're to go to every nation, we're to go to every people group, every ethnos, regardless. You see, the world tries, tries so hard and succeeds in so many ways of separating and segregating us. But Jesus calls us to break free from those bounds, to not listen to the lies of the enemy and say, well, you got to congregate with your own kind. He says, go into every nation, into every people group and make disciples. That's what he's called us to. You see, we got to keep in mind that, that saving, winning others to Jesus is not our responsibility. There's a part in that that's our responsibility, but it's His. God is the one that does the drawing. No one comes to me, Jesus says, unless the Father who sent me draws him. Our role, our responsibility as Christ followers is to have that mindset every day that says, God, I know that there are people in my life, there are places that I'm going to go today that your spirit is at work and you're drawing people to know you. God, put me in the right place at the right time that I might be able to plant a seed of the gospel in their hearts. God, that I might be able to display God's love to them so that they might say there's something different about this guy. What is it? God's the one that does the drawing, but we have to share. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 to 9. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. We are God's fellow workers. You see, God's the one that draw, does the drawing. We are the ones that do the sharing. Faith comes by hearing and that of the Word of God, the Bible says. But then Paul says, how can they hear unless there's someone that might preach to them? And that's not just the preacher's responsibility. You have far more influence than I do outside of the church. Can I tell you that? The reason is, is because you have contact. Most of my contact and, con contact and context is within the local church. You have far more influence and availability where God has you every day of your life. My question is, are you taking advantage of that opportunity? Are you squandering it by looking for what's in it for me rather than, God, how do you want to use me today? God's the one that saves. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5. He says, in, When we were dead in our trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ by His grace. It is that whereby you've been saved. You see, daily, I say it on the daily devotions every morning in closing, and I mean it, that all of us would pray and ask God every day, God, would, would you make me attentive to where you're working I want to challenge everyone. How many of you will agree to do this? Don't put your hand up if you're not going to really agree. For the next five days, 
I want to ask you, who will agree to say this prayer every day and mean it? And let me tell you the prayer. God, will you give me an opportunity today to plant a seed of the gospel in somebody's heart? God, if I recognize that a seed has already been planted there, God, I pray that you'd make me attentive so that I might be able to cultivate that seed that's been planted there. And God, by your grace, would you allow me to participate and watch you save somebody today? How many of you will make an agreement to pray that prayer in the next five days? Make it, make it serious. How many of you? I don't want to pressure you. How many of you will make that commitment? I promise you that if you make that commitment and you pray that and you sincerely mean it, God will answer that prayer. You know how I know that God will answer that prayer? Because we're praying according to his will when we ask that of God. That's why I encourage you every week now, we started about a month ago, that we've got these cards out in the lobby. I encourage you to take at least three of these. And every week, every time somebody gives you something, you hand this back to him. It's a card inviting people to join our services online or in person. And on the back of it's an organization called truelife.org that we have, we have partnered with. That There are numerous videos that give answers, good quality video, and solid biblical answers to the questions that our culture is asking today and that God would use that so that others might come to know him. So here's what we pray. Pray every day. God, use me today. God, help me share my story with others. God, help me to invite. Lord, and then cause me to pray more. There are a number of things that COVID has caused us to, to kind of relook at and, and, and realize that there are some events that we don't plan just for events' sake, but events that are used that you and I may be able to invite others so that they might attend these events, whether online or in person, so that God might draw their heart. Three months ago, we started Man Church. I know that's not politically correct today. We started Man Church. And it's a time where men are encouraged, where men are challenged to be the men that God has called us to be. To be godly men. Men who will love our wives. All wives said. Men who will love our children. Men who will love our grandchildren. Men who will serve and lead in the body of Christ. Men who will serve and lead in our community. And every month we're having man church now. The next one is March 18th. I want to encourage all of you men. Ladies, you can sneak in online if you'd like because I think you might want to participate. But we've got Dennis Parker coming March the 18th. Many of you have heard part of Dennis's testimony. We've got a little video clip here from Dennis as he's encouraging. Hey, I'm Dennis Parker. I'm... Uh... I just wanted to come and, and, and tell you that I'm really looking forward to being part of the Man Church uh, in March and uh, being able to share with you. I feel like I'm a part of Conyers First Baptist Church. It's more, I've been able to uh, be free here and share what God's done, uh, where I've been, and uh, where God's taken me. It's a slow process, I'll tell you that. But uh, I'm. I'm grateful to come and uh, be able to share with you then. Uh, I'm going to sing a little song that uh, I wish I had have followed Christ early on. I would have uh, feel like I would have been able to uh, get through 
a lot of the pitfalls that I've gone through just in my own flesh. But this this song really speaks volumes uh, about what I'm trying to do now, what I know God is trying to do in my life. forward to seeing you there. Many of you know Dennis Parker is with Ricky Skaggs Band. He plays with Kentucky Thunder. And God, for some reason, put he in my path. And Dennis joins Matt Meyer and I every Thursday morning. We meet at 10 o'clock and we're doing a discipleship hour. And it is via Zoom, but it's not too bad with just three of us. But Dennis is willing to come. Dennis has a testimony that um, has so many different aspects to it. If you know somebody right now, men, that you know has not come into a relationship with Christ, or maybe they have come into a relationship, but they've kind of checked out of church. They're just not engaged. You know they're not growing. Men, you come and you invite somebody to come with you. If you are uncomfortable coming, have a party at your house. Watch it Facebook Live. Bring them into your home. We're praying that God would say, these are, in, these are events, yes, that us men, we're encouraged by them, but we want to see other men come to know Christ so that they might be discipled. Ladies, Catalyst began three months ago. Was it three months ago or two months ago? Two months ago. The, the following day, March the 19th, there's a women's catalyst with a lady by the name of Nikki Cozier, Cozier's. I, somebody else may have to pronounce it because I just mess it up. She's going to be sharing. But then again, this event is not only to encourage the women within our body, but it's an opportunity for you to invite somebody that you know that needs a relationship with Jesus and come to see them. Let's hear just a minute from Katie. 
I wish I could tell you I have never questioned God. I wish I could tell you I've never wondered if God really knows what he's doing. I wish I could tell you I always love the things God does in my life. And I wish I could tell you I'm a woman who is always full of faith. I bet you know what this feels like. But the reality is, for all of us, God has done some stuff we just don't like. I have found myself wondering if he really does have the best for us when our circumstances scream the opposite. In the past few years of my life, my faith has felt flooded with hopeless and hard situations. But I found out that faith, much like everything else in our lives, is a decision, but so is doubt. And doubt often feels like the easier decision, one we don't have to think twice about making because it's just there, lingering in front of us, tempting our trust, taunting our experiences, and testing our perseverance. But there's a man in the scriptures who has something to teach us about decisions. Noah has helped me understand what a soul filled with doubt can do to our faith. It's destructive. But he's also helped me understand what a life filled with decided on obedience can do to our doubts. So if you're ready to start recovering some of what doubt has done to your soul, come with me. If you're ready to learn how to make five simple decisions each day that will deflect the decision of doubt in your soul, come with me. And if you wanna learn how to have questions for God without questioning who he is, come with me. It's time to wrestle down doubt and rise above the emotional and spiritual flood of hard things. Your doubts don't have to define you. Today can be the day you wake up and decide there's a better way. So ladies, be here on March 19th. Bring somebody with you, pray. Preceding that, that one might come to Christ. Last thing, men, we have an event coming up in April. It's called What's at Stake? Uh, Tickets are available now for that. We want to encourage you again to invite somebody to enjoy a steak dinner on you. Amen? And then they'll hear the gospel and some next steps that they can take in becoming a godly man. That's going to be April the 22nd. Um, This next point and I've talked so much about it, but disciple a person in Jesus. Now, there, there's so much debate that goes around on, on what is discipleship. How do you go about discipleship? What do you do to disciple another? Well, first of all, I think discipleship begins, if I look at Scripture and I look at what Jesus said in Mark chapter 1, verse 17, Jesus first said, follow me. So the beginning of discipleship, for you and for me in our own lives and making disciples is that we resolve that we're going to follow Jesus. You see, I can remember the day in Guam when I was saved. There was something instinctively there that, that I knew that, that in that saving time that Christ was calling me to follow him. There was a resolute moment in my mind where I realized that this is an all-or-nothing proposal. You see, I'm like every other good little Southern Baptist. I've been baptized three or four times every time they sang Kumbaya at camp meeting, right? But the one resolute that I recognized had not changed in my life yet was that I had not made that commitment to say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. 
It's an all or nothing deal. Some of you need to make the decision this morning. Jesus, I'm going to follow you. And I recognize that it is an all or nothing deal. God, I've been playing church. But I've never made a commitment to follow you. Discipleship begins with that first, me and you, making a decision to follow you. Do we do it perfectly? No. None of us are perfect. So get over it, right? But there's that commitment, there's that decision to follow Jesus. And then Jesus says this. It's incredible what he says. Follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. You see, when we make that decision to follow Jesus, Jesus says here that he will work in us to make us fishers of men. That he will change our lives. He'll transform us. That our desires will become what his desires are. And what I see in that, this, this woke me up a couple of years ago, man, that, that if, if he's not working in my life, if I'm not being transformed, if I'm not allowing him to transform me, then it stands to reason. I'll stay stagnant right there in my Christian life. I'll think it's all about me. Everything should be done for me, the programming, everything for me. It's all about me, 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 me. When I say Jesus transform me, then it all becomes about him and his mission. Follow me, he says, and I will make you to become fishers of men. The evidence of following Jesus is that we put the hook in the water. The evidence is following Jesus that we intentionally look for places to go fishing. The evidence of following Jesus is we say that, Jesus, you've made such a difference in my life and you've rescued me from the eternal flames of hell that, God, I ask you to put me in places that you might use me so that I might help catch other fish. That's the beginning part of process of discipleship. Paul said this. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. And so moving from that, that we never stop being a disciple of Jesus. We should always be a disciple of Jesus until the day he calls us home. Amen? But, but there's that process there where God begins to create in us a desire to see others come to know him and follow him. If that's not happening in our lives, then, then the Holy Spirit's not active in our hearts because that is the heart of God. We follow him as a disciple. He transforms our life that we desire others to come to know him, and we intentionally go and set out. Paul said, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. We have a number of different ways that people engage in discipleship. One one is a way that we introduced a couple of years ago that, that we're encouraging everybody to go through, everybody in the church body. I don't care if you've known Jesus for 75 years or seven days. But it's a model of discipleship based out of the gospel of Mark. Through COVID, I know it has interrupted some of the discipleship groups, but I know that there are, there are some that are still engaged in meeting. 
I would encourage everybody, these are at the Connect counter, to pick up one of these, to get engaged. Ask God to lead you to somebody that you might disciple or if you need to be discipled and you recognize that, man, I'm not sure that I'm really following Christ, then, then by God's all means, say, God, give me somebody that will pour into me and disciple me. We have our small groups. I'm praying, hoping, have made the decision and the plans that following Easter, that following Sunday, I believe the numbers are safe now. We're going to open back up all of our small groups on campus on Sunday mornings. Amen. Yeah. Everything that we do on Wednesday nights, we have determined that we have a discipleship hour. That following week, of course, is first and foremost our corporate prayer. But then after that, from the time of middle of May or so, as, as we look to go into summer programming and scheduling, we're going to come back together on Wednesday nights. There'll be a men's group, there'll be a women's group, there'll be our students, and there'll be our children. And there's nothing that takes place on campus other than discipleship during that hour. You know why I've made that decision? Because that is the first priority. That's the first priority that Jesus gave to us. I know none of you do it, but, but that, that, that discipleship hour is not going to be a committee meeting. That shot discipleship hour are not other activities. While they're not bad, they're just not going to happen because this is a priority. Jesus has called us to be disciples and to make disciples. We started in COVID of having our Wednesday nights first and foremost. And can, can I preach for a second? One of the things that has been lacking, and I take full responsibility for this, has been that we've not had those times of corporate prayer. For me now, our first and foremost, our Wednesday night prayer gatherings of worship and prayer have been some of the most incredible services that I've been involved in here from the time that I've been here. Can anybody that participates in that say yes? What came to my mind is how in the world are we as a church body making decisions as to how to fulfill this mission if we're not praying together corporately? How can I make a decision if I'm, if I'm on a, one of the serving committees in this church, if, if I'm not together with my church praying? How can I lead a small group that if I'm not engaged in prayer? And I realized that I was giving lip service to corporate prayer. I could talk about it. I'm tired of doing lip service. I want to encourage you to be a part of our corporate prayer. It's all through Scripture that when God's people seek Him together, God speaks through the body, and God leads through the body. And whether it's in person or online, I encourage you, I exhort you, I'm not trying to guilt you into it, but I want to say, how in the world do we expect to carry out His mission if we don't call on the one who's the director of the mission? Discipleship never stops. I was speaking with Miss Cope yesterday. Many of you know Miss Cope. Miss Cope's 85 years old. Um, she had not been feeling well. I tried to call a couple of times. I called her yesterday and we were talking. And, 
And I, I made some comment about, Miss Cope, you know how I am with names. <laughs> I said, I have short-term memory problems, have all my life. She said, well, I do too, but one thing that I'm working on is my memorization skills, and I've stepped up my Bible verse memorization. I loved it. 85 years old. And she's still feeding her heart and her mind and committing to memory the Word of God. You see, until we go home, this part of this process of discipleship never starts, stops. Lastly, send a person for Jesus. You see, that's, that's, the, that's the part of the cycle that's vitally important because if you look at it as a revolving wheel, that we one to Jesus, make a disciple of them, and then we send them, what do we send them to? To make a follower of Christ. It's an easy program, Right? And it doesn't cost us thousands of dollars a year for material. <laughs> when disciples send. Acts chapter 1, verse 18. This is the last part of the commission that's, that's given. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That we are called, yes, we collectively have our time of edification as the church body. But this should be a time that, that we are charged up to go out. Sunday morning shouldn't be a time where I say, okay, what have they got for me today? Sunday morning is a time where I say, Holy Spirit, open my heart so that you might lead me and teach me the Word of God, that I might express worship to you, so that God, when I go out to face this world tomorrow that I've got to face, I'm charged up and I'm ready to go. You see, it's that sending out that He's called us to. One of the things I'm excited about, uh, we really have nothing to do with this, but it's an example of how God uses the body of Christ or members of the body of Christ to go out and, and, and they're sent out. It, it's not under the banner. None of these things are under the banner of, of First Baptist Conyers. And, and that's not what it's all about anyway, right? It's about Jesus. Butch shares, uh, serves as a chaplain here at Rockdale County Hospital, and last week he was so excited after he came back from, a, from the day he got a call as a chaplain to go into the hospital, and a lady needed to speak with him. Butch, am I free to share this? It's too late. I'm going to anyway, okay? <laughs> it was a domestic abuse situation. And so Butch goes in. He says, well, what, what did you want to talk about? She said, you know, I started thinking, what would have happened if I had died when he was beating me? About what she said, right, Butch? And so Butch got an opportunity to share the gospel with her, she came to faith to know Christ right there in the hospital. I don't know if she'll ever be back here or be in here. I don't know, but he encouraged her too to get plugged in. But, but he was sent out. It's a part of being a part of the body of Christ. You see, it's not about this church getting the glory. It's not about Butch getting the glory or anybody else. It's about Jesus so that he might be glorified. You see, he's the one that gets the glory when he saves. We have another example in our church body um, 
Jason and Andrea Hill, last year they had announced this, but COVID had shut down everything, where they become involved with a ministry called J.H. Ranch, and there's a marriage retreat coming in April that will be held right here at Camp Westminster. And so I just want y'all, I, I think this is beautiful. You see, everything that the church body does doesn't have to have the tag of First Baptist Conyers. You see, it should have the tag of the body of Christ. Go ahead and show this video, and then Andrea and Jason, I want you to come share. An Outback Weekend event is one of the most dynamic, life-changing opportunities a family could ever take part in. It's an unbelievable chance to get away and retreat into this beautiful property in the middle of nowhere where you can go and have some meaningful, relevant, engaging time with your family member in a way that maybe you would never experience otherwise. Outback is, is really an opportunity to get away for a weekend and focus on not only the relationship that you have with the person you attend with, but also your relationship with God. Uh, and just to evaluate how you can strengthen both of those relationships. When can you go on a weekend with your spouse or with your teenager and do it together? staff at Outback uh, are just amazing. From the moment you arrive, you won't have to touch a thing the rest of the weekend. Everything from your luggage to your food is cared for the entire weekend. And there are actually a lot of Outbacks that we offer across the country, from San Diego to Nashville to Palm Beach, and new cities are opening all the time. You know, and the venues are just gorgeous. We've got some amazing volunteers that provide some of the most beautiful properties you'll ever see. And the food is top tier. The food is great. People come back for the food. It's real good. My experience here is just unspeakable. It's life-changing and um, just so grateful for the people here and continued friendships, definitely. I can't say enough good things about this weekend. Outback is an adventure I would like to encourage anybody to experience. No matter where you are in life, take time, invest in your relationship with your loved one. You will not regret it. It is amazing. year about this time we got up and were able to share with you about this ministry that our family has become involved with and how we were getting ready to have our first JH Outback in the state of Georgia and Andrew and I were going to be leading that over at Camp Westminster and then we learned about COVID-19 right about the same time and so that event did not take place but here we are again and good Lord willing on April 16th through the 18th 
we will be having the first JH Outback in the state of Georgia at Camp Westminster. Uh, Andrea and I are leading out in this first event, and we really would love for our church family to participate, to help, to take part in that weekend. It, it is, it's a retreat, and J-Mo said it's a, it's a marriage retreat, and it is that, but it's, it's unique in a couple of different ways. Not only is it a marriage retreat where you can go through it with your spouse, you can also go through it with your teenager. And there's not many opportunities you can get away with your teenage kid, and there's no Insta-snap, face chat, none, no video games, no phones, none of that. It's just you and the person that you're going through this with and God. And it's two and a half days of just strengthening that relationship and strengthening the relationship with the Lord. And, and there's another thing that's unique about it in that you can ha be in a relationship that is falling apart. Uh, Andrea and I have seen people that have come to these events because we've volunteered and, and gone through them a couple times, and people have come and the divorce papers are ready to be signed. And they've gone through this, this, this event and it's changed their lives. Or they've had a child that uh, that relationship was completely torn and it's been restored. And so you can go through this. If you are on a mountaintop in your relationship with Christ right now, it will be a great weekend for you. If you are in a place of despair in a relationship, it'll be a great weekend for you. And it, it's, a, it's an awesome uh, ministry that has meant a lot to our family. Uh, as I said, Andrew and I have been through this program a couple times. My son has been through the program, through a camp, uh, and he just wants to go back every year. And uh, we just want you guys to share in that and get to experience what we have. And so I'm going to let Andrea take just a few minutes and share with you how you can get signed up or get involved if you're interested. And I think the video says it all. It's a weekend that's fun first and um, is based on just strengthening your relationship with that person that you love. So how can you get involved? Um, Jason and I are going to be in the lobby at the end of the service. Um, we'd love for you, mom, dad, sign up your teenager. Um, there's nothing better you can do than to pour into them. So um, it's perfect, perfect opportunity to get away and spend that time with the teenager for the weekend. Or husbands or wives, sign, sign up for the weekend. Um, you won't regret it. Um, that's one way that you can be a part of this is just come and join us April 16th through the 18th. The other way you can do it is um, today we kick off our 40 days of prayer and fasting. And um, for the next 40 days, we're covering um, that weekend with prayer. And I get a little, you know, emotional about that because if we don't put Christ first in everything that we do and cover it in prayer, then we won't be successful. So maybe you just want to pray for us. We'll be at the table in the back. You can join up to pray with us. The other way um, that you could be a part of it is volunteer. Maybe you're like, eh, I don't really have child to take or I don't really need to go through this um, with a spouse but maybe you want to volunteer we'd love to have you you can talk to us in the lobby as well so we appreciate being able to share this morning see that that's what it's all I know many of you are, go out in different ways but that's what it's all about folks winning one to Jesus making a disciple of them and sending them for Jesus. I'll close with this. Just this week, I had two individuals that I was talking to that are, that are not members of this church, but I know them. And in both instances, they were trying to um, communicate to me of the person that is a part of this congregation who was serving out in the community 
in, in different fashion. One was at one of the feeding locations where we have uh, several of you that are involved in helping feeding uh, those who uh, have less means. And they were talking about how impressed they were with this person. And the comment was, man, I couldn't get Jesus out of their mouth. Did you get that? The person that was a a member here was out at the feeding location. And the person that was communicating to me said, man, I just couldn't get Jesus out of their mouth. In other words, that's all they talked about was Jesus. And he asked the question, what's going on at that place? A second instance that, that happened was a person that's involved with Mills on Wheels, one of the directors, said, you know what, folks from your church, and I think there are two or three small groups that involve themselves in scheduling for Meals on Wheels. They're like, the, the groups that come from your church, we love it. Because there's, it's evident that there is a love of Christ in their heart, and they do it out of not out of duty, but out of serving and extending the love of Christ. My encouragement to you would be this. With whatever gift that God has blessed you with, that you use it in a part of that winning, discipling, and sending. You'd say, God, use me. Lord, how do you want to use me? God, I'm available. Now, Lord, I, I'm asking you to use me, and God, I'm agreeing with Paul that, that God, he said that, 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 Lord, you would do exceedingly abundantly more than whatever I could ever hope or imagine. God, use me. If you're not engaged in, in one of those processes or those places, I'm going to ask Pastor Ryan to go out in the lobby. At the end of the service, you see him. We, we have a discipleship pathway. He can help you get connected in that. If you're not yet engaged or active in a small group, I'm going to ask Pastor Jeff also to go down in the lobby and be available there in the lobby. That If you want to get connected with the small group, he can help direct you to one of those Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Conyers, located in Conyers, Georgia. For more information about First Baptist Conyers, please visit us online at firstconyers.com.